Welcome into episode number 101 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Howdy, I'm Howdy. Oh, it's a party in here. Here's your host, Gene Rayburn. That's Craig Morgan. Uh, for Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski, or apparently Gene Rayburn. I don't know who he is, though. But, uh, Do you know who Gene Rayburn is? No. I'm not really a big game show guy. Mm. Match game? I've heard of that. Not the new one, like the, the old match game. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well. From my era. Yeah, from old people like Craig's era. Wow. The shots fired very early in the show. Do we have the Barbra Streisand track yet? I, just, I assumed it was always playing in your ears. And it, maybe that's the name of one of her songs, always playing in your ears. And she sings it on a beach. So we've done, how many teams have we previewed now? We've, I'm not good at math. That's why I write. I, I believe seven. We uh, had Kevin Kurtz of the, talking about the Sharks of uh, NBC Sports earlier this week. And then in previous weeks, I know we talked about Chicago, Tracy LA, Myers. Carolina, Boston, Winnipeg, and Washington. All right, so we're seven in. And we're going to get a couple more here today. We will uh, preview the Minnesota Wild with Michael Reese, Russo. And right now, Philadelphia Flyers, which... Uh, with us. About this one, We're you? special guest us. Special guest us. Yeah. I feel like an opening act. So you can tell the teams that we're less interested in discussing when we, we don't have an actual beat writer on. We're going to try and get through this quickly. As Luke said to me earlier, I want to get through the Flyers. Right? Right, so, so, no, no, no. Right? Don't, don't let Craig fool you. Nobody likes Craig in Philadelphia. That's the problem. That's absolutely what it is. That is specifically the issue here. Because if you haven't figured out already, Luke and I don't have any gets. All the gets are Craig's gets. <laughs> well, so if, if we don't have out. a guest, it's, it's simply because Craig is not wanted in that particular market. We got Sebastian for uh, Swedish things. That's true. But, like, he's, you know, he's our friend. That doesn't only really count. I feel like all these people are Craig's I've, friends. I've, I've talked to Sam Karshidi once or twice. Oh. Then, then why not on the podcast? Guess it didn't go well. Yeah. Basically, the way we're going to handle this, and I'll just go ahead and say that next week when we do this, that team will be the Vancouver Canucks. So, yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, and if you listen to the show, you, you know. You know why. You know. I don't think anybody can really talk about the Canucks quite as well as us, so we're going to go ahead and jump into that. Travis Green, former Coyote, on to talk about the Canucks. But, you I, thought you were, I thought you were going to say former <laughs> coach. <laughs> not yet. We may be saying that soon. August 7, 2018, uh, maybe. no. no. <laughs> No disrespect to Travis and his abilities, but, no. you know, look at that situation. Uh, we basically, the way we did this one was we prepared some questions to ask each other. Craig told us all his questions, so we're prepared for his. You guys aren't prepared for mine. But if, if, we, don't, if we don't spend enough time on the Flyers and we don't answer your Flyers questions, it's okay. They're going to be on national television every single game this season for some reason. So you can just have your questions answered there. So that'll be my first question. Why are they on NBC so much? I thought we already addressed this. I didn't get a satisfactory. I feel like we did. Jamie wasn't. I feel like you guys addressed it. Yeah, no, but I heard the things you said. Philadelphia's it. Did you hear all of them? No, hockey market. It may not be a good hockey team, but it's a good hockey market. That's fine. Also, if it's if they're playing the Penguins, whenever I will watch. I don't care how good or bad those two teams are. I'll watch those two teams play for two and a half hours any day of the week. Yeah, really, Pennsylvania should be the state of hockey, shouldn't it? Not Minnesota, given the amount of times that the Flyers. Or Penguins are on national television. And they have twice as many teams. Yeah, they're on a combined 32 times, I believe, this year. Jamie just did the quick two is twice as many as one math in his head. Tell me where I'm wrong, Luke. I'll wait. I, I can't. You know what? <laughs> There's a lot I of college can't. hockey in Minnesota. A lot of high school hockey in Minnesota, too. That's true. All right. A lot of lakes. You don't look impressed. <laughs> Philadelphia won. Uh, can you guys stay on task so we can talk about Philadelphia, oh, please? They won 10 games in a row at one point last year. They were a bubble team to make the playoffs, and they ended up with the guy that we had been hearing about as the number one pick in the draft for the last basically two years, and Nolan Patrick. He slipped to number two. But 
the hockey lottery was very kind to the Flyers over the summer. And so not only did they move way up, probably to a level where they shouldn't have been able to, then Nolan Patrick slipped one spot to them. So are we assuming he just steps right in and plays this year? He's probably the most NHL-ready player in this draft. He's like the one guy that anybody talked about being NHL-ready in this entire draft class. And, and, oh, Philadelphia needs help at center. So I would assume unless he's an utter disaster in camp, he's going to be on this roster. Now they may drop him down in the lineup a little bit initially to take some of the pressure off him, but this is what they need. Yeah, he might be the only one. Uh, the only rookie that makes any significant impact, excuse me, from this draft class rookie that makes an yeah. impact this year in the NHL. This is going to be a fun rookie of the year race. That Jamie just stumbled on a pretty intriguing point if you look at this because... Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, that nice moment that Jamie and I just shared on the podcast, Why? Greg. I don't like it. Warm the cockles of your heart? No? All right. I was going to say something until you said that. <laughs> now you're just... Okay. Still trying to figure out what that means. Oh, look it up. Cockles of my That's heart. also a Barbra Streisand song. It might actually be a full album. Uh, Nolan Patrick, probably, I would guess one or, one or two other guys jumps in and plays a significant amount of games from this year's draft this year, but it has only been seven over the last two years that have stepped in and played the majority of the season in their draft year. So it might just be Nolan Patrick. And that opens the door for a very intriguing Rookie of the Year race because you have guys that were drafted either last year or two, or even three years ago, that'll have a chance to, to win Rookie of the Year. It's, it's much more wide open this season. That'd be a good story for you to write for Fan Rex. Oh, well, look at that. I yeah, think there you I go. Know. I think we each came up with an idea this week. Yeah, well, you just came up with two and pawned one off on me. Okay. Anything else in Philadelphia since I've asked my one question? <laughs> Anything else in Philadelphia? <laughs> I don't want to ask Craig's question. walk away from the Flyers already. Well, I asked this question to you guys, and I think we all agree on the answer. Is there any reason to believe that this is more than a bubble team, and should they be more than a bubble team? No well, and yes. Yeah, I have two different answers, no and yes. This, come on, this team should be, I understand they're in the toughest division in hockey yeah. right now. You got Claude Giroux, you got Jakub Voracek, you've now got Nolan Patrick. Wayne Simmons, I think, is the most underrated forward in the Wayne NHL. Simmons, yeah. And he's doing his part, and they're still not making the playoffs. He's got some blue line pieces, too. One of whom got scratched inexplicably last year, but that, Shane Gostaspear. Yeah. Took a step. Provorov, too, I think is an interesting player. So there's there's pieces here. I, and they won 10 straight. Do you remember how that division started? Yeah. We're it, looking at four teams, possibly over 100 points. Every team won every game. That's yeah, how that division it was started. It's insane for a while. They yeah. ha- haven't won a playoff series since 2012. That's wow. Amazing to me. So, and they've missed the playoffs three of the last five years. And that one they won in 2012 was that just bloodbath against the Penguins where there was seven fights every game and every every final score was like 8-7 I, I believe there was like a 10-8 to eight in there I'll, I'll look that up while Craig's talking about something. Dave Haxtell hot seat then fair to say? Yeah uh, but but not at the start of the year I don't think. Well the issue it's is Philly. It, this is Philly. It, it, yes and it's, it's cliched but it, one of their biggest problems is you, what, what do they always say? You need your best players to be your best players. Claude, they need more out of Drew and Borchek. They just they need a lot more out of those two players, and they're never going to be anything more than a bubble team if they don't get more than that. And you know, 58 and 61 points for Drew and Borchek, respectively, aren't enough for those players. They're getting paid more than that. They're expected to do more than that. They are playing minutes that say that they should do more than that. It's just not enough, and it hasn't been enough for a couple of years. To me, with Voracek in particular, I think he had one good year, one elite year, and they paid him off of that, and that might have been a mistake. This this is. This production level is more what I would expect and what he's been for most of his career. 
Giroud, on the other hand, I mean, he was, he was yes, as, as you've mentioned on many other podcasts. Former best player in hockey. The former best player in hockey, yes. <laughs> but he, he was producing just, he had, he had four straight 70-plus point seasons, which puts you in the top 20 in scoring in the league. But his, his production's declined every year since he signed that eight-year deal. He's got an 8.275 million cap hit. I don't know what's up here. If, if the, the time is just taking its toll on him, what's at play here? But, boy, without him as an elite player, they're, they're in trouble. That series against the Penguins, incidentally, they won game two, 8-5. They won game three, 8-4. And they lost game four, 10-3. So that was some, some really quality goaltending there between. That was definitely Marc-Andre Fleury's worst year, and Ilya Brzgalov was Philadelphia's goalie. So, Well, at go. least the goaltending situation is so much better now in Philadelphia. Yeah, so what, what's the deal here? Brian Elliott wasn't the answer in Calgary, and so Philadelphia looked, and they were like, well, he's definitely our answer. How hard is it to get a goalie? Apparently, it's unbelievably difficult. Ask Winnipeg. I mean, apparently... Uh, Winnipeg took Philadelphia's old goalie. Yeah, well, let's keep recycling bad goalies, and let's see what happens. I'm sure they'll be better for us. <laughs> yeah, I don't, and with the guys that were available, too, you would and, and also the guys available in the expansion draft, you would have thought they might have gone after someone other than Brian Elliott. This is, a, this is an organization, by the way, that previously had an incredible goaltending history. When I was growing up, I know you guys don't remember that time. Oh, here we go. All right. Okay. Black and white televisions. Back in the day. But Bernie Perron, Pelly Lindbergh, who, whose career, of course, was tragically cut short. Ron Hextall, they've had some great goaltenders, Hall of Fame caliber goaltenders. And now it's like they have, don't have a clue what to do at this position. Yeah, this must well, be it's a good thing they don't have like a, anybody that knows anything about goaltending high up in their front I office. I was going to say, right? how does Ron Hextall look at this? And, and is he even able to watch his own team's games? You think he does it on purpose? Just, j- just to, to like boost his own legacy, <laughs> yeah. like John Elway with Denver. Yeah. So I don't people, every time they write about the Flyers' goaltending situation, they'll say, "Not since Ron Hextall." Dot dot dot. Are we well, just if, let if it... this continues? It'll be not since former Flyers GM Ron <laughs> Hextall. There's that. Are so we, are we going to let it slide that they have a GM whose last name is Hextall and a coach whose last name is Hackstall? Like, did they put too much emphasis on that as opposed to developing a stronger team? Well, Carolina won a cup with some stalls, so. Oh, see, huh? I have nothing to add. No, that's good. Yeah, I wouldn't even touch it. So, what's their path to the playoffs, realistically? Like, let's say they go out there and they play better hockey. That might not even be enough to get in. Mm-hmm. Who drops out in the Metro? Well, see, that's, that's the hard part. I mean, who, who does drop out? I mean, they're going to need injuries in front of them, and they're also going to need an extremely Devin Dubnik-like hot goaltender to kind of force them into that spot because I just don't, otherwise I don't see it. They're, they're not as talented as the teams in front of them and they have much, much bigger flaws. They finished sixth last year, 88 points, even with that 10 game winning streak, six points behind the Islanders. Yeah, and, and can they pass the Islanders? Is that a team that you look at and say maybe? Yeah, maybe. The Islanders didn't even make the playoffs. But, the, but last yeah, year, they're going to have to do more than that. And yeah. also, again, when you're talking about wild card, we, we all think Tampa Bay is going to get back. They weren't in the playoffs last year. So you're going to have to jump a lot of teams. And again, all those teams have fewer flaws than Philadelphia has. It's so strange to talk about a team that that had that winning streak that goes out and gets the guy who's not a generational talent necessarily, but was pretty much widely expected to be the number one pick. Maybe number two. But for the longest time, we've known about Nolan Patrick. But what do we we expect from Nolan Patrick in year one? Because I I think that's going to be a big topic because I think as much as everybody tells themselves, well, yeah, we know it's not McDavid, we know it's not Austin Matthews, 
people are going to look at what the rookies have done the last couple of years coming into the league, and they're going to inflate what they believe Nolan Patrick should be able to do. Are you suggesting Philadelphia fans might be unreasonable in their expectations of their team? I'm saying if he has a 50-point season, I would be thrilled. Oh, 50 points would be great. I'd be thrilled. I don't And I think that that's looked that. at as, oh, wow, that's all. Yeah. He's right. Do you think Philly fans will be thrilled with that? I, th I hope they are. I hope they're. I think they're I, they should be. Enough. Now they're also violent fans. I'm not so, just know, saying they, necessarily Philly fans in general, but various services. But you yes. said it, not me. But we're not editing got the it out. To back it up. Yeah. <laughs> I just think there's no way that people don't, and not just Flyers fans. I think even league fans as a whole don't look at Nolan Patrick and feel like they're going to be disappointed, even though he's having, he's going to maybe have a season that we all expect him to have. Yeah. Because he's, he's not McDavid, he's not Matthews, he was never going to be, he was never considered to be. Is he going to get compared to Nico? I, if Nico plays all year. Play, huh? If he plays all year. Yeah, yeah. Although, again, I mean, I think that's all short term. I mean, again, remember how we said, oh, we're going to be talking about Taylor versus Tyler for years. When's the last time anybody's brought that up non-ironically? Uh, how about without the words Peter and Chiarelli in the same sentence? Point, point, my point exactly. So, in the As voted on by... Who Remember when things. we'd be talking about McDavid and Eichel for until the end of time, and then in one year it became McDavid and Matthews. Yep. I, I, again, I think that stuff gets overblown in the moment. Do you think? See, I, if Patrick's at least in the running for Rookie of the Year, I think Flyers fans will be somewhat content. I guess I, I do think they're they're probably aware of the fact that their team's not winning the Stanley Cup this year and Nolan Patrick's not going to step in and just instantly take them to the promised land without a goalie. Look, even if you go back to goalie for a second, Jamie said they're going to need a sort of Devin Dubnik-like monster performance. If that were to happen, I almost see that coming from Michael Neuvert and not Brian Elliott. wondered the same. Well, uh, Brian Elliott, I, I, I think we know what he is at this point. And it was a... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's a product of the blue system of the time. And even then he had his ups and downs. I think we're pretty confident that Elliott's not going to be the full-time full -time starter, that he's going to lead that team to the postseason himself. Yeah, and if you, if you look at the way their contracts are structured, too, it's not like Brian, they, they broke the bank paying Brian Elliott. I mean, he's coming off a bad season, so he signed a, a contract that's very comparable to Michael Neuvert's. Neuvert's I can't pronounce his name. Neuvert. That guy. Neuvert. 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 But, but <laughs> no, no question mark at the end. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an H, not a question mark. If you are, you totally der just derailed my train of thought. I do that often. Yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, no, we're, a, we're leaving this all in, too. You're going to have to find your way back. A decent, <laughs> a, what should be a decent defense in front of him. From Jamie Eisner. Yeah, no, at some point, you have to lay down the law. It's the only way I'll learn, so at the, uh, the expense of all the listeners. Let's, let's continue that path. Knock Luke off his pedestal a bit. Who, um, no, there's another pedestal right next to it I can get on. Who, um, who in your mind offensively needs to step up? Because again, other than Giroux and Voracek, <laughs> we've already talked about, but yeah, yeah. even if just those two were to step up, I don't know that it's enough. Because again, Wayne Simmons, he had 31 goals again last year. Yeah. Uh -huh. 31 goals for Wayne Simmons. So you look at the Flyers and you're like, oh, they must all be underachieving. No, he had 31 goals. Braden Shen quietly had 25. Giroux was tied for fourth on this team in goals. And I don't know who else is really going to step up and, and score a lot. Well, that, that's going to be the issue. Who else is there? I mean, Travis Konecti, Valtteri Filppula, yeah. Michael Raffel, Matt Reed. I mean, Couture, we know Couturier is what he is at this point. He is, he's a two-way 
low point total, but can play tough minutes center. That's it. He's yeah. never going to be more than that. As much as Philadelphia desperately wanted we'll have, to, to forever have a faction of Coyotes fans that want to trade for him. Yes, yes. yes. The, the Couturier Matt Reed for Keith Yandel. I remember. I remember all the, all of that fun. Well, I mean, he matches up very well with Evgeny Malkin. So if he was a Coyote, he'd get that matchup twice all year. That would be helpful. I mean, he does. He plays Malkin better than anybody, but he had seven goals last year. Mm-hmm. Not not enough offense on this team. You mentioned Matt Reed. Well, a couple of years ago when he was scoring 20 goals, that was supposed to be this pleasant surprise. Like, that was kind of coming out of nowhere. It wasn't supposed to be, hey, now we're going to expect him to score 30. Last year he had 19 points. So that, as much as we talk about the goaltending, it is remarkable to me that the Flyers don't score as much as they probably should. But Anthony Stolarts as the uh, goalie of the future, perhaps. And when is the future? Like, January, when Matthew Shane's burnt out? I just I don't see where again obviously we, we we expect more a lot more from Giroux we expect some more or at least hope more for Jacob Borchek. Simmons is what he is and it's been pretty damn good for a good amount of time now I don't see aside from Nolan Patrick who's coming in as a rookie I don't see where all this other offense is going to come from you gotta I don't see have it. to hope it's sparked by their blue line by the the young offensive defensemen they have that can maybe trigger that offense a little bit more because I agree with you with the forward group you you look at the names and I just can't see the production there. It is nice, though, to have that duo of Provorov and Gostasper. I know Gostasper wasn't as good last year as he was when he first came in as a rookie the year before, but that's, that's a real nice young duo to build around. And that happens. I mean, ask Aaron Eckblad how his sophomore year went. Yeah. You want me to right now? Yeah, call okay. him up. No, I'll, just, I'll, send the, I'll tweet him. But you guys have to sit here and listen silently while I type into my keyboard. All right, it seems that Craig is, is off. I don't even know what he's doing at this point. So are we done with Philadelphia? This is usually... You, you want to be done with Philly so bad, Well, you can you tell work? when Craig has checked out, like, every time we brought up Ottawa last year and he just kind of wanders off like a, uh, a bored oh, look, child. This is a great story. I'm sorry, did you say something? No, no. Okay. Why don't you do what you want to do? I generally do. <laughs> All right, that's it for Philadelphia. Basically, the preview is Wayne Simmons is good and everybody else needs to catch up. Is that, is that fair? Like that. Okay. Done. Good All right. Fun. Up next, we're going to talk about a team with a uh, much, much more realistic upside, and we will discuss the Minnesota Wild with Michael Michael Russo next. All right, we're joined now by Michael Russo of the Minneapolis Star Tribune to talk about the Wild and the really impressive season they had last year. I guess sort of a disappointing playoff, and then what's uh, what's coming up this upcoming season. So, uh, Michael, how's your summer, and, and how's the outlook for the uh, the Wild heading into twenty? 20- 17 slash 18. Great summer so far, refreshed. Uh, it's funny, uh, it, it, I was just actually telling a friend of mine that it's like every year about this time, every off season, I get like really antsy for the, uh, for the, for the, for training camp, you know, the, the summer starts to get long and then all of a sudden like as, as we, it's almost like going back to school as all of a sudden September comes, you start to dread it. So <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's like I'm, I cannot wait till hockey season, but man, I cannot. Uh, I know that the dread's coming. Uh, actually, it's, it's really cool here in Minnesota. We got uh, the Beauty League, which is this four-on-four uh, four league of all the local NHLers and a bunch of uh, guys that don't even have Minnesota ties that live here during the off season, like James Van Riemsdyk and, and uh, Zach Bogosian and people like that, and then all the local guys. And they put on a four-on-four four every Monday and Wednesday, so I go there to kind of get my hockey fix and. And, uh, and, you know, uh, kind of watch uh, a lot of the local wild guys also get ready for next season. Guys like Parisi and Mike Riley and, you know, Alex Daylock and people like that are all in town. How did that, uh, that league get started up? 
You know, uh, Ben Hankinson, uh, who's an agent at Octagon, uh, and Octagon is the agency that has guys like Mike Liud and Alan Walsh. He's the Minnesota uh, kind of arm of that agency. He's the one that really put it together with a lot of the, you know, his colleagues like Chris McAlpine and Keith Ballard and people like that. And there's so many guys in town, you know, it just seems like a given. I mean, I was talking to Dave Prosser for the story that I'm writing on the league next week, and he said, like, what took so long? And, you know, it's just an, a natural thing with the amount of, you know, you got – 25 to 35 NHLers that just live here in the Twin Cities, and you have these incredible college players that live here in the Twin Cities, and a lot of elite amateurs or former NHLers that are now in Europe, and and so they put it together, and and uh, you know they, there's a charity element where you know it's unbelievable. I mean the the arena sold out the other night when I went on uh, last Wednesday. Uh, you, you know we're talking like one of the best high school rinks in in this in the state, uh, just you know absolutely jam packed in the middle of a summer night of three games and so they put it together and it's pretty neat you got you know on benches guys like mark Parrish and ryan malone and keith ballard and ben Clymer and you know brian lawton a lot of former nhlers that are that are also coaching in the league so it's it's pretty neat they got eight teams you know guys like big buff and and uh you know uh, i mean there's just ryan mcdonough and Derek stepan who uh by the way looks very very good if you're an arizona coyotes fan um, you know, a lot of guys uh, in this league, and, and uh, that, and they, and they love it because not only, you know, once you get to training camp, you get really obviously you get strict. I mean, you know, you're not allowed to mess around. You got you can't, you know, do, so you can get away and do stuff. A lot of the stuff that these guys work on in practice, they can, you know, get away with in a four and four non-structured league, and it helps get them in shape and helps get their, you know, them their their hands and their minds kind of ready for when the real uh, training camp starts here in about three, four weeks. That sounds like a nice little appetizer for the NHL regular season. We'll, we'll, yeah. get, we'll get to that now, um, and we'll start with a, a nice big-picture question. We all know the wild story from last season. Terrific first half, faded down the stretch, went out in the playoffs early again. What does this team need to do to take the next step, Mike? Is, is there something missing? Is it just yeah. maturity? What's going on? What do they need to do to get over that? I don't know, because... You know, every time they bow out early in the postseason, it's a different thing. You know, last year against Dallas Stars, uh, the Wild scored plenty of goals and, and, you know, enough goals to win that series, and they couldn't defend and didn't get great goaltending. Uh, you know, Devin Dubnik really had a tough time in that postseason, and and um, this year Dubnik only gave up 10 goals, I believe, in five games, and they still didn't win because they couldn't beat Jake Allen. So it just seems like a, a totally different recipe every year, and, and so they've, you know, they went into this offseason with some big time salary cap uh, complications and challenges, and they tried to kind of massage around that. And so now the key is, you know, and by doing that, you you change the kind of the recipe of this team and, and maybe get some fresh blood in here. But by doing that, you know, what's nerve wracking is that this what this was the team that for a large part of last season was the best team in the Western Conference and wound up finishing with the, you know, barely but with the second most points in the in the conference. So. You know, they had a tremendous regular season, and then they absolutely failed in the postseason. So now when you lose eight guys off that roster, now a lot of the guys they lost was their own, you know, decision to lose them. But when you lose, you know, core guys like Marco Scandella and Eric Halla and Jason Pominville and a top prospect like Alex Tuck, and you lose depth defensemen like Nate Prosser and Christian Bolin and, and uh, you know, cut loose guys like Jordan Schrader, now your question is, um, what's the risk going into this year, and can, will you take a step back when you know other teams like the Dallas Stars and the Winnipeg Jets got better? And so that's that's the big thing. So what was missing? You know, I can't tell you that, but I can tell you that I don't think that they're going to be as good this year, at least in the regular season. But you know, the fans here 
uh, couldn't, you know, there's going to be a lot of cynicism no matter how well or how bad they are in the regular season this year. For the fans here, they're only going to care about the, the postseason. And so now going into the, the playoffs, you know, that's all they care about. You know, they could finish 7th, 8th, but if they can, you know, win a round or two, I think, the, you know, or more, obviously, I think the fans will be a, a lot uh, happier than they were with the absolute disappointment that last season left. All right, you mentioned a lot of the changes. Let's start with the trade of Scandell and Pominville for Marcus Felito and Tyler Ennis. Walk us through that one. Uh, I, I think yeah. everybody knows the cap is part of the issue there, but why was it done? What's the thinking, and what, what do the new guys add to this mix? Yeah, I think twofold. I think it was to get fresh blood, but also save some salary cap space and also real money. I mean, you know, they only saved about a million dollars in salary cap space, and depending also on what Felino resigns for, he's actually still un- unsigned going into next season. Uh, they'll obviously get a deal done eventually, but they're, but they're carving that out right now. Um, but, you know, a lot of it's going to be how good are these players. I mean, Pominville, you know, is somebody that, you know, has been much maligned here in Minnesota, is probably making way too much than than uh, than really, uh, you know, his role on the team was. He was a lot of times third and fourth line winger last year and making $5.6 million. Uh, but real money-wise, uh, they saved some money there. And then Skindella had a real up-and-down season. He was very good in their little five-game playoff, but, but in the regular season he was, he was kind of erratic. And so they make the trade there. So what happens now from a Minnesota point of view is um, what role – I know that Bruce Boudreau is very excited about Felino. What role does he play? He's the guy that had a career-high 13 goals last year. He was fifth in the league in hits. So finally they get a kind of a big, hard-hitting, mean, go-to-the-front-of-the-net uh, power forward. And then can they actually, when you put him on a top six role, can he actually score some goals? That'll be the big thing. And then Ennis is the absolute wild card here. He's making $4.6 million. He's missed 90 games to injury the last two years. He's only scored eight goals. But when healthy, he is a very talented, slippery smooth type of forward that could get you 20 to 25 or even more goals if he's given the opportunity to play here, which he will be. So the question is, is he healthy? If he's not, it's a disaster. If he is, the Wild believe that there's huge upside there. And then just lastly on my little, uh, you know, filibuster here, um, you know, you lose Scandella, and so now the key is you're, they're going to put two young defensemen on this roster next year most likely, and can they, one, be healthy, and two, fill that role? And that's uh, Gustav Olsson and Mike Riley. Olsson is a guy that has, a, a, you know, a second-round pick, but he's had unbelievable bad luck at the professional level with injuries. He's always hurt. And so, you know, he's, he, they believe in him, they love him, they feel like he can be a great, great defenseman in this game, but he can never stay healthy long enough. So can he be healthy? And if he is, uh, can he play regular minutes and be a fill-in for, for Scandell? And if not, Mikey Riley, a guy that uh, kind of worked his way off the Columbus Blue Jackets last year in a, in a pretty public uh, kind of uh, divorce uh, and signed with his hometown Wild. Uh, and I'm sure in hindsight probably regrets it because he's been in the minors ever since. They gave him a, a one-way deal for two years, so he's in a position to make this team, and can he make this team in play? And that's the key to, uh, you know, for, for to, to lose Scandella is big, but if you can have these guys uh, fill in and, and, and be adequate defensemen, it won't be as big of a loss. All right, you mentioned Felino. Where, where do we stand on that? And it, it, for reference, for people listening, this is not unusual. There are a lot of big-name yeah. RFAs that have not signed yet, but where, where do we stand with this particular one? Well, you know, you knew it was going to go longer because uh, he didn't file for arbitration yet. Niederreiter and Gramlin did. So when Niederreiter and Gramlin filed for arbitration and they got late in the queue, we're talking early August arbit- potential arbitration dates, you just knew that the Wild were going to spend all summer long, really all July long, concentrating on building their cases for Niederreiter and Gramlin or signing them to 
uh, long-term deals, which they wound or multi-year deals, which they did wound up doing, and then concentrate on Felino. Um, conversely, um, Felino's agents, uh, as Craig knows well, is Newport Sports. Well, Newport had about six guys uh, that had potential arbitration cases. So similarly, uh, Newport spent all of July building the cases on them. So now that that's over, I think a couple people are in some vacations here. Then they'll carve this out. You know, my gut is that he'll sign like a three-year deal at like two seven five. I know I'm sure that his agents want over three. I'm sure the Wild will try to etch it down to the two seven five two eight two eight range. And then the key is, is there enough money there left over to then go out and find another forward? The Wild only have ten guys on one-way contracts up front next season. Um, they're clearly, in my mind, a veteran forward short, but the question is, do they have enough money to sign that veteran forward, uh, like a Matt Cullen or a Matty Hendricks or Drew Stafford or something like that? Um, or, you know, I, you know, I will say that they're getting so close to the cap ceiling after Polino that, that you do have to wonder if Chuck uh, Fletcher, the GM, even has the, you know, uh, desire to sign that other forward because then all of a sudden you do that. And even if you get them on a cheap deal, the, the Wild will be really up against the cap next year and put themselves in some harm's way if all of a sudden they become an injured team. Last year they got really lucky, didn't suffer a lot of injuries when they were close to the cap. This year, I mean, they're, they're going to be so tight if they find another forward that it could put them in, in, in a constant uh, up-and-down mode of, of trying to put, you know, fit guys in under the salary cap ceiling if they get a lot of injuries. Uh, Zach Parisi last year, you know, not a bad year, but subpar by his standards. I think one of the times we talked to you last year, you said he was having strep throat issues. It just sounded like he had a yeah. difficult year. Is uh, is he back to being himself this year, do you think? And, and what are their expectations for him at age 33? You know, what's really funny is that I was literally just texting with him right now, setting up an interview with him here in the next couple of days. And, um, you know, yesterday I was in this wiffle ball tournament, this charity wiffle ball game, and I didn't want to bother him yesterday. So I, uh, the one question I have is, did he get his tonsils taken out this, uh, this offseason? Uh, not very easy for a 33-year-old to get your tonsils out at this age. If all of you that have kids know, they always say you get it done young. Um, but he had strep throat three different times last year. Um, so he, he, had, he had some illness issues. He had some injury issues. And you're right, he only had 19 goals. And if you remember man in that game game 82 in, in Arizona last year Bruce Boudreaux was doing everything feasible to get him even an empty net goal for that 20th goal of the season uh, just to get him to that threshold but yeah you know he had a tough tough season um, all the way around I know that he wants to bounce back this year be healthy for one and two obviously he wants to get back up to that close to 30 goal range and, and they man they do need him to Eric Stahl had a renaissance season last year um, what do you think factored into that there was, there was obviously a big gamble when they brought him in. He, he paid yep. off in the gamble. So what, what factored into that, and can you see that happening again? Yeah, I mean, that's the hope, man, because he was very good, as you said. And, and uh, you know, Eric, uh, um, I think, uh, you know, he was put in a position right to succeed from day one. I mean, Bruce Boudreau was honest with him and said, look, we want you to play top six center here, and we're going to put you with great line mates, and we want you to come in in shape. And, 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 and so all year long, unfortunately, until the last playoff game, when he suffered a horrible crash into the end boards and left with a concussion, and probably would have been done for the postseason if uh, because of that. Um, you know, he 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 was outstanding and he was healthy and and man, you know, I mean, he he was he, he just uh, looked like you know I don't want to say the Eric Stahl from old because you know I covered those old Southeast Division games when I covered the Florida Panthers and Stahl was an absolute stud. Um, but man, they, he, for three and a half million, he gave them everything that they needed. He, he led them in goals last year, and they do need that again. And I will say, when I talk to Bruce Boudreaux, he constantly uses Eric Stahl as the example for Tyler Ennis. You know, Ennis is obviously coming off a couple injury plagued seasons in a row. 
um, and, and has really disappointed the last couple of years in terms of production. And, uh, you know, if healthy, Bruce wants to do the same thing, build the same template, make sure that Ennis is in a position where he can be productive on this team. And if they could do that, it'd be a huge win for them. And they're using Stahl as that example. Michael, uh, Kirill Kaprizov, really fun to watch at the World Juniors last year. He's, he's playing well over in the KHL, but is there any chance we see him in Minnesota anytime soon? No, I really not. I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to use the term being held hostage, but, man, it looks like uh, the Wild have no control over this kid. He's uh, fired his uh, Amer- uh, North American agents, from what I understand, which happens to be Octagon, by the way. Um, and it looks like he is uh, signing signing an extension to continue playing in Moscow for at least another two years, which would give him three more years in the KHL, which is a huge disappointment for the Wild. The Wild have no clue what this contract looks like, if there's a way to buy him out um, and get him over here. So right now they're going under the uh, belief that they're not going to see him for a couple of years, uh, which is a huge disappointment. And again, um, you know, it's it's been really bizarre. I mean, uh, you know, this is a guy that was the leading goal scorer in the entire World Junior Championships, and Russia wouldn't play him a minute in the World Championships until he signed his contract. So he didn't play. I mean, in the World Championships, he was scratched every game. And from what I understand from, from sources in, on this side of the ocean, it's because the international team Russia was basically saying to him, no, no extension, you're not playing. And, you know, I think they held the Olympics over his head as well. And um, so it's, it's a disappointment. Uh, from the wild, and they hope that they can eventually get this kid over here. But honestly, you know, who knows at this point uh, when or if we'll ever see him. All right, well, let's talk about some players that are here, a couple guys that, that earn themselves good paydays, Granlin and, and uh, Nino. Uh, just, uh, it, it's fairly obvious that they see these guys as part of their new core, but what is the upside there? What is the feeling about those guys and their ability, I guess, to assume that mantle? Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy now what uh, 20 goal scorers get get uh, paid. I, I was, uh, you know, Chuck Fletcher was the assistant GM in Florida when I covered them, and Ray Whitney, who you guys know well, I remember in, in 2000, uh, 99, 2000, he scored, I think, 29 or 30 goals, and the Wild had to give him, uh, the Panthers had to give him a big contract in the $2 million range, and I remember talking to Chuck Fletcher at the time, and he was like, oh my God, where's this? You know, where's this league going when, when you have to pay, uh, you know, a guy like Ray Whitney $2 million? And look at it now, you get 20 goals and you're a $5.5 million player, if not more. And that's what happened here is that this is the market now. It seemed like everybody that signed that in that realm that filed for arbitration got in the 5-3 range. So that's what uh, Nino got. And, and Nino, um, you know, three years in a row with 25 goals. He's been somebody that, you know, Arizona fans probably know pretty well as well because, uh, you know, he's had some success against uh, against Arizona. In fact, he might have even had a hat trick against Arizona once in his career. I can't remember. Actually, that that might have been against the Sabers. But I mean, you know, he's he's somebody that goes to the net, um, can score off the rush. He had a huge game seven overtime winner to lift the Wild into the second round uh, in 2014. And so he adds that element, and the Wild felt, uh, you know, wor- that he was worthy enough of a five-year deal. Um, Granlin was a lot more complicated. He led the Wild in scoring last year, but it was his only real first. It was his first kind of breakout year after a couple 40-point 40, 40 seasons. So, um, you know, all of a sudden when Niederreiter got 5-3 or 5-2-5, it kind of set the bar for, for Granlin going higher. Um, but the Wild didn't want to go too long with him because, one, they want to make sure that he's going to continue at being an undersized guy being healthy, but, two, also that, that he was going to continue to build on his production. 
you know, he, he shot almost 15% last year, which you know is going to come down this year. So is he going to score 26 goals and lead them in scoring again? That's up in the air, so they want to see it. But on the other hand, his agent didn't want to go too long because he's only 25 years old, and if he has a couple big years in a row, at 28 he can get a monster deal. And, and so the Wilds wound up buying out one of his unrestricted years and are now in a position where, uh, you know, really, uh, if it, well, let's put it this way, if, if all of a sudden they were going to sign him to a four- or five-year deal, that you, you, AAV, which is at five eight million or $5.8 million, was going to have to go over six. So the Wild were... We're comfortable with this, and now they're trying, as as we said earlier, get Felino into a reasonable contract so they can maybe sign one more guy. Michael, just in general, what was the uh, the local view on on the job Bruce Boudreau did in the first year there, and and, and sort of the outlook going forward? Well, like the team, I think they loved him during the regular season, and and started to get worried about him in the postseason. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's what uh, only getting one playoff win after having the second most points in the West uh, does to you, and. And so, you know, all of a sudden, Wild fans might be a little more skeptical just because Bruce, obviously, with his history um, of, of Game 7 losses and things like that, there's, a, there's just kind of a stigma around him of, of you know, playoff disappointments. And, and it's really just, again, I, I, ironic there, you know, that I'm talking to you guys because I just remember sitting down with him in Arizona before Game 82, uh, uh, you know, interviewing him about that reputation because, that, because I was getting ready for my playoff previews. And we sat in that in that renaissance right across from the arena for an hour, and he was talking about his persona and how much it does bother him and, and how uh, the only way to change that is to, is, to, is to win and win and win. And then they wound up uh, going down 3-0 in that series and losing in five games. So, you know, like the team, until he wins uh, and proves something, you know, there's, there's always going to be that in the back of their head. And, and it's the same thing with the Wild right now. You know, we're talking five playoff appearances in a row, but – you could ask any wild fan on the street. They're not satisfied with that. Yeah, you know, they've only been past the first round twice um, in, in the Zach Parisi, Ryan Suter era. And, and so now it's time for this team, you know, uh, at least for the window of Miko Koigo, Suter, Stahl, Parisi. There is a window there. Maybe not for the team, but definitely for them. And, and they, they want, you know, fans want to see this team do well. And so Bruce knows that, he, you know, that there's a lot of pressure on him, especially after an offseason where I think most people look at the roster and say they're not as good as last year. Uh, to really pick this team up, build toward the postseason, and then actually prove something in that playoff. Along those lines, how's the team feeling about Devin Dubnik? What what was at play last year? Was he overworked? Is that going to change? Was was there something else at play? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think so. I, I think that he obviously, I mean, up until really February 1st, he was the best goalie in the league statistically and looked like he was going to be a shoe-in to win the win the Vesna, and then all of a sudden uh, his season and the team season fell apart there in, in a lot of February, but definitely all of March. And all of a sudden, you know, Columbus went back on a tear and Bobrovsky, uh, you know, kind of soared by him. I mean, you look at, at Devin, and really I think as of February 1st, he had the, of the starting goalies in the NHL, he had the number one goals against and save percentage. And then in, if you look on February 1 to the end of the season, I think he's around 28th or 29th in those categories. And I think it was because he was overworked. Bruce Boudreaux in the wild had zero confidence in Darcy Kemper and basically in March uh, just stopped playing him to the point that they actually called Alex Daylock up from the minors to play two games and so um, you know over Darcy Kemper even though he was healthy and so uh, and it was because because Dubnik was struggling so much and the fact that they were working him every game so you know this offseason the goal was to go get a backup that would be putting Devin in a position where you can you know play a guy 20 to 25 30 games and that put Devin in a position where you overwork him. And they wound up signing a guy named Nicholas Vector, who's you know had a cup of coffee in the NHL and has had some good years in the KHL and the 
AHL, but you know he's going to go up against Stalock. But it certainly looks like Stalock's going to be the backup. So I do think it's imperative for Stalock and Svedberg to um, compete for that number two job, uh, give some confidence, allow Bruce Boudreaux to feel like they can be played at any time. So then you don't uh, wear Dudnik down in the second half, and and that's what I think happened there. Although again. You know, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but in the postseason, that was hardly David Dubnik's fault. Uh, you know, he, he had a two goals against in the postseason. Uh, they just couldn't score. Michael, last one for you. Even without uh, Kirill Kaprasov, this team still has a lot more high-end prospects than teams that are having success typically do. Uh, guys like Joel Erickson, Luke Kunin, Jordan Greenway, do you see any of them having a clear path to the NHL as soon as this year? Uh, yeah, I think Erickson, I don't see how he doesn't make the team the way the roster is shaped now. Cunning has a shot at the team, and Boudreaux is going to give him every opportunity, but this is somebody that's barely played uh, you know, professional hockey. He, after his season, his sophomore season, he was a young sophomore at University of Wisconsin. He, he signed an ATO last year and got the, you know, the last dozen games in, in Iowa, but that, that still probably isn't enough to go step right into the NHL. And then Greenway, much to the Wilds' disappointment, decided not to turn pro. I think he was promised a spot on the U.S. Olympic team if he didn't turn pro, which, again, is a huge disappointment to the Wild because, because really – you know, other than Erickson Eck and Cunning, there's not, you know, even though their prospect pool is pretty decent, there are not a lot of professional prospects, uh, North American professional prospects. And so, um, you know, really, uh, it, it was a big time disappointment, especially after they had to trade Alex Tuck to make sure that the, that Vegas didn't take any of their, um, their, their defense prospects. Uh, they were in a position where, you know, unfortunately, Greenway, they, they were going to give him a clear path to the NHL or at least to the to Iowa, and uh, he decided to go back to college. So I know that was a disappointment to the team. It's Michael Russo. You can find him on Twitter, at Russo S. Trib. Great insight as always. Thanks so much for the time, and uh, enjoy the rest of your summer, okay? That's Michael Russo. I don't know how many times he's been on the show, but he's been great every single yeah. time. So uh, we're going to keep having three. him back. That's yeah. at least three, maybe four. Can't he's, remember. He's up there with John Rosen as one of the – best friends of the show right but uh great great uh great thoughts on a on a team that it feels like they're right there every year and then they just don't quite get over the top they won 12 in a row at one point last season remember we were at that stretch where they had won 12 in a row and i believe columbus had won 16 in a row and they played each other and it's uh yeah that's they can't get it done in the playoffs it's it's, weird it's funny how the perception of that martin hansel trade changes a little bit right you know i think if you talk to at least the people that have been around the team here, around the Coyotes, they're still thinking, how come the Coyotes didn't go after one of the half-dozen top, top-tier prospects that we just mentioned to try and accelerate well, I'm the glad it wasn't Kaprasov, because you <laughs> yeah. might not see him for another yeah. half-dozen yeah, years. But, but it's, it's funny, that still exists, and I think it's a fair criticism, but now in Minnesota, because of what happened in the playoffs, wow, we gave up so much for Martin Hansel, nothing happened and he's gone. The perfect trade. Neither side is happy, right? That's, that's what you want. Uh, the other thing, real quick, too. Interesting how the Olympics are, are playing into some of these players that aren't quite in the NHL yet decisions. And, and you heard him mention Kirill Kaprasov, and that, that's a, a unique situation. But, I mean, if Russia is really saying, hey, if you want to play in the Olympics, you're, you're not, you know, you're not signing a contract. I guess if you sign an NHL contract, you can't play anyway. But then you hear Jordan Greenway thrown in there as well, where maybe he was Maybe not promised, but it was sort of suggested he might have a spot on Team USA if he waits another year to sign. That's that's an odd little side story that I didn't think of when the whole Olympic situation was being hashed out, that it might actually delay players making their NHL debuts. Mm. Yeah, a whole lot of interesting stuff there. It, the, the whole KHL relationship with the NHL fascinates me because there's, 
There's so many things to explore there. In fact, I think somebody should do a story on that for FanRag Sports, don't you? Uh, it feels like somebody should. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at you. Oh, I was looking at you. Oh, see. Let's just both look at we'll Jamie. let Jamie decide. And see what he Jamie does. Jamie is still over there, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he just silently waved to us. All right, that's going to do it for us here, right? Minnesota and Philadelphia on today's show. Minnesota much more interesting to me than Philadelphia. I'll just, <laughs> just uh, reiterate that. And that will be reflected in the time spent on the Flyers. <laughs> All right, for Craig Morgan, I'm Jamie Eisner. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.